This podcast is brought to you by the Turquoise Trail Charter School, Santa Fe, New Mexico. The masks are really annoying, and whenever I come in the morning, I almost fall asleep halfway through class. You guys, tell me a little bit about what it's like to be back in school after last year. Uh, you get, you've maybe changed, and you get to see all your friends. Um, you're older than you used to be, and you know more from the last year. That's true. From Protect the Pack Productions at Turquoise Trail Charter School in Santa Fe, New Mexico, my name is Chris Eide, and this is The Hypothesis, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of what it's like to open and close and open a school again during the middle of a global pandemic. On October 4th, about a month ago, New Mexico State University released its now annual report entitled the New Mexico Educator Vacancy Report. It takes a snapshot on a certain day. This last year was September 10th, uh, 2021, um, of all traditional public schools in the state. That doesn't include uh, state charter schools or private schools. Uh, And they determine the level of vacancies. This year, there were a total of 1,727 educator vacancies, uh, with 1,048 of those vacancies uh, being teachers themselves. Now, just to give you a little bit of perspective, last year there were 571 teacher vacancies, which which represents an increase of 84%. Let that sink in. Over the past year, the educator vacancies in New Mexico has increased 84%. In this episode, we're going to drill into that a little bit and what specifically that means for us here at Turquoise Trail, one school obviously among many. We will meet Miss Mary Ellen Dannenberg one of my very favorite people, and she has, is, a, is an educator, uh, specifically an early learning educator. She's done a lot of leadership work on early education at the state level. She helped found one of the most important uh, early learning centers here in Santa Fe and in the state of New Mexico. And this year, she's a teacher coach for us, uh, and she is excellent at her job. So I'm excited to introduce you to her and her to you, and, uh, and we will speak specifically about the people we have uh, lost and vacancies that we have had uh, this year, the impact on our school, and of course, the impact on our kids. Hope you stay with us. Last Thursday, November 4th, our local school district, Santa Fe Public Schools, uh, unanimously passed a staffing crisis resolution that mirrored a similar resolution uh, issued by the Santa Fe City Council, effectively calling for higher teacher pay and 
the ability for teachers to live more affordably uh, in Santa Fe, which has a higher cost of living than most all other areas in the state. This obviously is a response to a citywide crisis. Uh, And it's not just here in Santa Fe. Obviously, this is happening in schools all over the country. Schools and districts are asked to find creative solutions to help patch these gaps. It means a lot of waivers from uh, regulations statute. It means doing things like uh, combining classes and having larger class sizes and having long-term substitute teachers or finding waivers for people who were not otherwise uh, licensed to be uh, teachers of record in one way or another. Uh, Now, every school obviously is impacted differently. Our school uh, began the school year fully uh, staffed, and we believed we had a really strong team heading into this year. We did a lot of work uh, at the beginning of the year to cultivate a mindset of optimism because we knew it was going to be a big challenge. We knew that going into this year, we were going to have a lot of uh, sort of hangover from how it was last year when we were all online. We knew that kids were going to be um, exhibiting behaviors that were unusual, perhaps, or that they themselves couldn't even explain. We knew that coming back to teaching in person with masks and all of these safety protocols was going to add uh, many layers of stress to an already stressful job. On top of that, we rolled out a new curriculum here at our school this year in order to, um, one, help simplify uh, for, for newer teachers uh, the materials and lesson plans that uh, we believed would be successful for our kids and that we would also have a level of um, what we call uh, vertical alignment. So alignment from one grade to the next. Now, when we get into the middle school, we have different curricula than that, but they are also designed to be aligned, which makes also for easier collaboration between grade levels, uh, and, you know, no matter what the grade, and collaboration across teams. For example, in the elementary school, if you have four first grade uh, sections, for example, if everyone is using the same curriculum, it becomes a lot easier to uh, divide different subjects up, perhaps, or to share best practices more fluidly. Nevertheless, it's difficult to take on a new curriculum, and so that also added a layer of stress. To boot, we started, uh, as you may have heard last week, a virtual academy, a school within a school, which is a big, big, big intervention at our school, and required a lot more resource allocation, a lot more um, attention, so, uh, so that also added, has added a layer of stress. Combine that with uh, the loss that people have felt, the fact that it becomes really challenging to travel for some people to go visit loved ones. Uh, it's made for um, a really dynamically difficult uh, sort of psychological year for us and for all schools. So just to put it in perspective for us, Uh, We lost um, a kindergarten teacher just before the start of school um, who who left. We lost a first grade teacher just into the first part of the year. Uh, We lost a second grade teacher uh, who's caring for a parent. We have lost three special education teachers, one custodian, one person in our front office, a nurse, 
five educational assistants, um, and two members of our child care staff. We've also had three teachers uh, leave for maternity this year as well. That all has happened since the year has begun, which has meant also that uh, for teachers and faculty and staff members otherwise who are here, uh, that we've asked people to take on an additional um, set of tasks, responsibilities, etc. Uh, we all have to pitch in in order to make the school run the way that we want it to. This has put an incredible load on our administration and our operations team as well. And because of those additional loads, because we've asked sometimes our EAs to come over and cover classes, our, uh, to become long-term substitutes in some cases, that that level of stress on top of all of those other levels has caused people to, to burn out, has caused people uh, to suffer from mental health issues or the acceleration of, of mental health issues that may sometimes be carryover from, uh, from the lockdown that we have had before. So here at Turquoise Trail, we're fortunate in that we do get a lot of great candidates um, throughout the year for roles. And we have been able to continue hiring, but bringing new people in and having them sort of plug in uh, where we need them uh, without the full complement of training, without the benefit of being with us at the beginning of the year, etc., is also really challenging and, and can be stressful for somebody just stepping into a situation especially if they're working with students who have disabilities or special needs. They want to do really well for those kids, but it can be really, really tough having not had that ramp up in, in preparation just the same. If you feel underprepared and you're not doing well by kids, it can be really taxing. Uh, knowing that you might be in some way contributing to the instability in the life of a, of a child who really needs stability when your intentions are always to do the opposite can be uh, an intense stress as well. Those are some of the things that we've been dealing with just on our staff. And we're a school uh, that serves, you know, students in grades pre-K through eight, two separate schools and our school within a school. Uh, and so it has been a bit of a long year. And here we are at the beginning of November. There's always been a teacher shortage in New Mexico. This is nothing new. This is Mary Ellen Dannenberg. And it's been, you know, it's been a pay equity thing. It's been a an access to the education and having to pay for it or not pay for it. I think there's lots of people who want to be teachers, and now we're finally building in things like scholarships and pathways for them to be teachers. We have teachers here who are on different pathways, and they're going to be great teachers they took that chance into the unknown because they haven't been teachers before. Mary Ellen is somebody who knows a lot of teachers all over the state and beyond New Mexico. She belongs to a variety of networks of teachers, of high-performing teachers, teachers who uh, find real opportunities and challenge, and Mary Ellen is no different. She was a teacher here last year. But once you got past the, the beginning stuff and you went, okay, this is working, this is, and you got in like that zone, it was okay. It's not obviously not the way I cho would choose to teach again because there's nothing like having children with you and in front of you and working together in a classroom. But 
it also, after teaching for a long time, I had to learn a new way to teach, which was really kind of challenging. And I had to up my game, which was really hard, but really kind of cool. Now, Mary Ellen is a really special type of teacher. She's somebody who constantly seeks challenge and finds ways to overcome them. Uh, but, you know, everybody has their challenges. And last year's challenges were so new, so dynamic, and they've carried over to this year. And what we at our school, uh, you know, focus on a lot is getting teachers the opportunity to get support from somebody like Mary Ellen. And we're really blessed to have that here. It's not everywhere. So Mary Ellen uh, works with a lot of teachers um, across the across the seniority spectrum. But this year at Turquoise Trail, it's a little bit different. We have lots of brand new teachers and brand new to the profession. I, I think they're extremely brave. And I think they are, um, as a coach, I hope that we're working together. I think we are. I think we're working together for them to start navigating everything that it really means to be a teacher because there's that point where you're going, okay, I'm going to do my Opal license and I'm going to be a teacher and that's terrific. But then you get in there the day to day. It's a hard job. This is a lot and you need to have those tools ready to go and someone to rely on to be successful and someone to say, you're doing fine. This is okay. This is the way it's supposed to look and this is fine. And I think that I think coaching here and not just become a coach because I'm a coach. I think the idea of coaching here at this time was amazing because I think, yes, I'm coaching, but and but the other side is I'm supporting as much as I can so that they can figure it out. And that to me is the key word support. During this time when we are all facing unprecedented challenges, especially the challenge of thinking that we might be done with something that we clearly aren't, it's the most important thing we can do for each other is support one another however we can. Focus on the positive. Be optimistic. We are going to get through this. But let's not forget that we are all in this together and there is a way forward. I think... I think growing that teacher workforce has to be much more robust. We really have to mean it. We, um, you know, there need to be, if, if we had, and I think we're, I think we're doing a nice job here of trying to put those, those new teachers in a cohort so we can go through the training together. We can go through the, the Opal license dossier part together and figure it out together. But teachers who are left on their own, who are brand new teachers, they need support. They need support everywhere, and I think those are huge challenges. We're restocking a workforce, and that takes time, but it takes a lot of support. So I think that's something we really need to make sure that teachers feel like they can do this, and we give them the tools to do it. Throughout all of this, we have tried to minimize, to the greatest extent possible, the impact on our kids, who this year have looked so forward to coming to school, to having a sense of normalcy again, to have the chance to interact with their peers and have something as simple as a Halloween celebration again. In our school, we've been able to do a good job of that. 
we've been able to minimize the, the transitions that students ex, uh, experience this year. Uh, we haven't done it perfectly, uh, and we are not immune to some of these forces that we've talked about today. But as much as we focus on being together, the togetherness is for one another, but it is for our kids. It's all of us. We have to create this future for them together and present, as Neri said last week, uh, uh, an experience for them that we would want to present, the one that they would want to have presented to them. Next week, we are going to focus on the kids themselves. Again, in the first episode, we asked the question, are they all right? In this question, or in this episode, we're going to ask the question, how are they behaving now that they are back? We've seen a lot of press about TikTok videos and, and challenges that students are making with one another online. We're going to talk a little bit about what we're seeing at the school and how we're dealing with it. We hope you'll be here next week. Stay safe, everyone. And as always, keep reading books. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> Thanks, Mary Ellen. I appreciate you very much. We'll see you next week.